Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today we start with the topic, does GTA 6 need fast travel? So this dude got super roasted on Twitter. Osoxvy said, they better add fast travel in GTA 6. I'm not trying to drive 15 miles to get to my destination. Breezy, one of the highest rated responses with 100,000 likes said, the whole point of GTA is driving around in your fast car, exploring through the city. Crying emoji, crying emoji. Other people said, yo, they have taxis. What the fuck are you talking about? To be fair to that dude, the original dude, taxis can't be used everywhere. A lot of people play through GTA as surprising as this is and don't realize they can just like call a taxi a lot of the time. On missions, when you can use a taxi, it's not obvious. One of the things that we had to discover when we were figuring out the speed run is under what conditions you can use a taxi in a mission and what things can block taxis from being able to come at all. There's a lot of taxi mechanics. It's not a simple thing of like opening a map and going dead dead. I am a person who's in favor of fast travel mechanics to some degree, existing in some optional capacity. You don't have to use them. Although to be fair, as a player, you don't know what you're necessarily going to be skipping by fast traveling all the time. There could be something really cool on a driving route or some amazing experience that you, you could have if you drove. You don't know that, so you just fast travel. Whether or not it was the right decision to fast travel ultimately requires you to have both the knowledge of the fast travel experience and the experience not using fast travel so you could assess at that point, which of course you never get. So if you give people the option to fast travel, people will use it and miss things that are cool. That is just a fact of having it available. As with everything, there are upsides and downsides. I think the way that Rockstar handles fast traveling in GTA is pretty good in that they, outside of missions, give you access to taxis and you can go to a mission as fast as you want. And in missions, it becomes a bit more restrictive so you can hit the story beats. Because I don't like the idea that while exploring through the world of GTA, that you might be a million miles away from the mission and then you have to drive all the way back because it kind of punishes you if you want to explore the city, but then you want to go back to the mission, you have to travel all that distance, right? Being able to go as far out as you want whenever you want and then you can instantly come back, I think is good for exploring, ultimately. Make movement in the game fun so fast travel is irrelevant. You could argue that any sort of need for fast travel is evidence of poor game design to a degree, but I guess it probably depends on the game whether or not that's true. I often said in Red Dead Redemption 2, the wide open spaces and the annoyance of how the stamina mechanic existed when the game first came out with the very specific pressures of the button you needed to, to not lose stamina and have your horse go at the speed of a, a snail was just poor game design. And they agreed with me because they changed it a little while after release. But that doesn't apply to all situations. Some games I think are better for fast travel. Like, can you imagine Skyrim without fast travel where you're on like the other side of the map and you if you would have to actually travel the entire map to get to another city, that'd be fucking insane. It's more a matter of at that point how accessible fast travel should be. Dropbox's unlimited storage is not so unlimited. So for those who don't know, I have 260 terabytes of space on my system. No more than that, 275. And I've used 180 terabytes. I have two NASA's server things in my uh, in my other room with um, two additions, extensions added onto them. And in order to give these files to editors and just anyone I'm working with, I sync a large portion of it to Dropbox, which is an online server farm cloud thing. There are other ways to do it like locally, but they all have various different downsides in terms of I would have to be using my own upload speed whenever anyone wanted to connect to my stuff. A variety of different issues that I may one day have to just deal with. But the way I had been using it was using Dropbox. Dropbox had this plan where you got unlimited storage 
unlimited storage for 500 bucks a year. And I looked at this and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. It's actually less than 500 bucks, I think. The plan I had in the end was I paid for five licenses. So me and four other people could upload to unlimited storage. When you hear unlimited, you think, well, there must be some catch, right? There, there has to be some way that they can, they can make this, this work else you could just ha you could just use a million terabytes of storage for a flat rate, that's not gonna work. But I, I, I've been using this for years now. And the one catch is that every time you hit your limit, you had to reach out to support and say, hey, yo, give me some more space. So you start with 25 terabytes and five times I asked for additional space. So my Dropbox account gave me access to 133 terabytes of space for $2,000 a year. And so I used that as like a, a backup from the large, the lion's share of what I have uh, on my system. And so I was I was effectively capped there. I had like three terabytes left and I received this very cryptic email a week or two ago. And they're like, oh, some changes are coming to the plans and da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, well, I, I don't understand any of this. I'm very busy right now. I guess we'll see if uh, they charge me more money later. And so yesterday I logged into my account it's like your plan has been changed and i'm like uh oh good times ending this free free storage effectively <laughs> the amount of free storage is running out the chickens are coming home to roost and i talk to the support staff and they're like uh yeah so we can't give you any more storage the unlimited plan no longer exists and you now have to pay for each additional terabyte you want and so i looked at what the pricing is they want 155 dollars a year per terabyte so to put that into perspective, the extra space that I got for free is worth $17,000 a year. That is a significant change in the way the plans were set up. And I'm like, oh, I can't get any more storage now. They're like, you can't, because I'm not gonna pay an extra 155 bucks a year for one, one extra terabyte. But thankfully, I got grandfathered in. What this means is what I was paying before doesn't change, but only for five years. So for the next five years, I am gonna be paying $2,000 for something that in their current payment scheme is worth like 20 grand per year. So the downside of this is I've just gotten so used to just like syncing anything and everything to my Dropbox. I'm just like duplicates of files, sync it, don't care. I've got so much just extra shit that just auto syncs to Dropbox because I, I, I knew I would never have space. So I guess four to five years from now, I'll have to change my entire system. But for the time being, all I'm doing is just unsyncing less important things. I don't think there's any other hosting website that I could get a, a deal as good as what I have right now. I, I wish I had known this was coming so I could have uh, taken more advantage of it, but there's life. And I guess in four to five years, I'll uh, get myself a system that actually makes sense. What about OneDrive? If Dropbox is doing this, I'm sure that other places are cheaper. Like I, I, I've heard of things that just other places are cheaper, but they wouldn't give me 133 terabytes for two, two grand a year with five licenses. I doubt that is expensive compared to everything else on the market. I am sure that is an inflated price because I could just like, I could just buy hard drives at that kind of price. Although then I would have to again deal with the, the uploading and downloading all that stuff. But like, like there's, there's no way that is a good price for the service. So we'll see what happens. False advertisement and talking kangaroos. Are they deleted the original tweet? Fuck. So there was a tweet that said, I think it's strange for people to get irate when stuff isn't advertised correctly or something along those lines. And obviously this person got roasted for this take because obviously advertisement should be indicative of the underlying products. It would, it's just deception and potentially, well, I guess fraud for you to do the alternative, right? One take I really liked on this though was this. No, I'm pretty sure I would have preferred if they told me the kangaroo didn't fucking talk. And this got 48,000 likes. 
And I was like, how many people actually know this story? How many of you know what this person's referring to? You don't understand any of this? You don't know what the talking kangaroo is? So Kangaroo Jack was a movie that released in 2003. Rotten Tomatoes reported that 8% of 115 critics gave the film a positive review with an average rating of 3.4 out of 10. But like, if you scroll up here, the advertising for the movie shows like a kangaroo wearing sunglasses and it looks like it's gonna be a movie about a kangaroo. It's called Kangaroo Jack. But the movie has next to nothing to do with a kangaroo or showing a kangaroo at all. There is a kangaroo in the movie, which somehow gets the jumper from this guy and hops away. And that jumper has something they need, like money or something. And so they chase the kangaroo throughout the movie. But the movie contains very little bits of an actual kangaroo. Even worse than this though, the trailer for the movie showcases like the kangaroo a lot. Basically every single scene with the kangaroo is shown like this. Is about to wind up in the wrong pocket. Hey, look how tall he is. So like, oh my God, there's a kangaroo in this movie. Kangaroo is cool, like, like he's, he's jumping off the kangaroo and stuff. Uh, but then you get to the end here and you get this scene. Kangaroo Jack. Love the jacket, Charlie. Nice. I said a hip hop, the hippie, the hippie did a hip hip hop and you don't stop the rock to the bang bang. Boogie set up, jump This is great. Directed by David McNally. I Jackie Licks. And I'd like to say hello. So, you're in the cinema as a kid and you see this trailer and you're like, holy shit, there's a talking kangaroo movie coming out. I have to see this. And then you go to the cinemas with your parents and it's about just two guys who've lost some money and are like in debt to some cartel or something. And in the entire movie, the only parts where the kangaroo speaks is in one hallucination scene that lasts 47 seconds, which is this. I mean, I just, just show it. Like, like he gets hit or something or he's running out of water or something and the kangaroo is there. Nice. And the kangaroo talks. And so it's 47 seconds. There is no talking kangaroo. The kangaroo is effectively meaningless in the movie. And as a kid, it was like the biggest letdown. Garbage movie with entirely deceptive advertising. And so it was interesting to me that other people knew about that because I thought it was like an Australian thing. But I guess thinking about it, like why would they release a movie just in Australia? It was made seem family friendly and loads of kids went to see it. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was, what was it? It was something about them losing money to a cartel or something. Twitter added yet another worthless feature. So everyone's favorite platform, Twitter, has now added a live chat to streams. This is news, because you could stream to Twitter, but you didn't have a live chat. So Twitter building out their uh, streaming service to compete with all the other streaming services, because everyone goes to Twitter for live streams, right? It's, it's, it's great, it's a wonderful idea. I say here, for funsies, I will multi-stream to this when it won't be a pain in the ass and has at least decent quality. Live streaming is such a money pit for a website, very hard to make profitable. What a dumb thing to add to Twitter. If you didn't catch before, I was being very sarcastic. This is just amazingly stupid. Because Elon Musk isn't a particularly creative guy, it's just, oh, other things exist in reality? I'm gonna copy those things to my website. It's like, is that something that's actually good for the website? I don't know, but like it exists, so let's just copy it. Twitter is a microblogging website. People go for their little microblogs. They don't go to watch long ass fucking live streams. And the idea that Twitter could compete with Twitch or YouTube in the live streaming space is insane. Twitch has had enough trouble making it profitable and that's all they fucking do. YouTube is like, oh shit, this is actually very expensive to do. Like really, really expensive and hard to be profitable. Let's like keep it, but 
pivot away to something that makes a bit more sense, like shorts. And say though, it takes no more effort to multi-stream as long as the systems exist. And so I'm perfectly willing to, to burn some of Elon Musk's money to have a few more people watch me from Twitter. Twitter's video player is garbage? Yes, it will take quite a significant amount of time before they can make something even possible compared to the other platforms. And it will have to get to the point of possible before we will bother enabling integrations with uh, multi-streaming platforms and stuff. I installed new carpets. So the reason I didn't stream yesterday was because I was getting my carpet replaced. See how it's like actually black carpet? It's nowhere near as black as my walls and ultimately I wanted something even blacker than this. Because if I turn on my light, you can see it's like black and gray kind of. See, like it's clearly a lot different. I still think it looks good though. And it works a lot better for both my aesthetic and my camera. This desk though is still just normal wood coloring and that's why you can see it. Ultimately though, I am happy this is an improvement and I think it will make my camera less confused trying to get things in frame because it, it, like the white balancing would sometimes go off because it, it was very confused to why everything was black except like the floor. The major pain in the ass with getting a new carpet is that you have to move all your stuff off the floor. So I had to move like everything from that room into my main room, then everything from this room into that room and like a musical chair kind of thing. My master bedroom still hasn't been done with the new carpet, mainly because the, the bed in there is goddamn huge and you can't move it out of the room. So it has to be taken apart. It's a huge pain in the ass, but hopefully that gets done tomorrow with no problems. But yeah, so finally got black carpet. That's cool. And now I can sit in true void rather than having the dirty brown carpet that I used to have before. One major issue though was uh, how difficult it was to take apart my servers and my PC and stuff and put it all back together and hope that it all works. I, I was worried that I had broken my servers or something because when I plugged them in for the first time, they were like, and I was like, oh no, I've done something wrong. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna lose all my footage, oh no. But in reality, I just took them up incorrectly. Even though I specifically took pictures of where all the cables went and marked which of the things are meant to be connected to what things, still managed to do a mistake because there's just so many cables. But at least that's largely sorted now. This shy is a bit B. So per my usual thing of tweeting things that may be cringe, just to see if people find it as funny as I do, I tweeted this out. This is a picture of a bee that I took a picture of because I was waiting for my carpets to be installed. It is really, really high quality. Like I could zoom in so high here. Like, like, you see that all the detail of the bee It's just with my phone. Could have zoomed in even more than this. But I took this picture and I tweeted out, this shy left immediately after I took its picture. I guess it was a bee. So I basically just switched the word shy and B. So this shy left immediately after I took its picture. I guess it was B. It should be this B left immediately after I took its picture. I guess it was shy. Is that even a joke? Does Twitch culture really exist anymore? Traditionally, I avoid covering potentially stupid things that Asmongold says, in part because I know in the anti-react series, he comes up quite a bit. It just seems weird to cover a person to this degree. I don't really follow what he does, but occasionally stuff does fall across my desk and uh, I, I can speak on it. So let's just cover this for a little bit. Asmongold slams fucking cringe Twitch culture and says it's for losers. So he was talking about Tifu moving to kick and he says, this is the way I see it. Like if you want to watch Tifu, just go over and watch him on kick. Like, is that really a big deal to me? No, not really. And then he continued to say this. But then kick is bad, but kick doesn't have any ads. W what the fuck is the problem? It's very weird. People are too attached to Twitch culture, so they don't want to swap platforms. And I find that odd. Twitch culture is for losers. Every Twitch meme and Twitch joke is just a, it's just a, an inside joke for losers. There's nothing good about Twitch culture at all. It's just stupid. So yeah, I mean, that's really what I think. That's why I ban half the emotes, because they're fucking cringe.
So you probably know by now that I don't like this position of, hey, I don't like something, therefore it's cringe and it's only for losers. It's just a dumb statement and just weird to hear a person who plays World of Warcraft and has played World of Warcraft for years making these sorts of statements. Because I remember being younger and people being like, what, you play World of Warcraft? That's for losers. Playing MMOs? What a loser. And to have that attitude towards something that you may not personally enjoy, but other people do is hypocritical. Like just because you don't enjoy something doesn't mean that other people's enjoyment of something necessarily makes them a loser or cringe in some way. I personally don't think much of Twitch culture. I'm not even sure how much of it really exists anymore, considering uh, how much bigger the platform is and all that jazz and that there's so many more other streaming platforms and whatnot. I don't think the main reason why people don't follow creators to other platforms is Twitch culture though. It's just a matter of barriers to entry in a large part. People are used to going to Twitch to watch things and ultimately what they're looking for when they're watching a creator isn't that creator specifically but they're hoping to have their particular needs met that their creator at that time was filling. To put it another way, at any given time, you have a need for entertainment or to see something of interest. And that can be hypothetically filled by any number of things that exist. And it just so happens that when you go to a particular platform, you tend to gravitate towards the things you already know can fulfill your needs. And so when you go to Twitch, you just look at your follow list and go, oh, that person's online and you click and then you're done. You don't really go, oh, I wonder where X creator is or Y creator is or Z creator is. In most, most people, it's just whoever's online, that's who they're going to watch. And so when a person moves platform, the person's viewing habits remain the same. They just go to the platforms where they normally have their needs met and they click something that's going to meet their needs and they just watch that content. They don't think about going to another platform and seeing if their needs can be met over there because they're already being met by the platform already that they go to. In the same way that I know places like Nebula, for example, have endless number of videos that I would probably enjoy watching. When I want to watch something, when I have some interest or some need for entertainment, I open YouTube and then I watch a video there. The only time I ever will go to a place like Nebula, one of these uh, off-platform places with uh, other YouTube content kind of stuff, is when YouTube isn't satiating me. So the only people you can really imagine who will frequently move to another platform with a particular creator uh, is, is people who have no other option. Like, that is the only creator that is currently satiating their needs, so they have to move. And that's obviously not most people. Most people watch a, a reasonable selection of different creators, and all those creators will still exist on that other platform, and so they would keep going to that other platform. People need to understand that all creators are effectively replaceable. There are millions upon millions of bits of material that you could potentially engage in right now. And the idea that you're right now in the best one, the irreplaceable one, the one that nothing else can compare to is absurd. Very recently, I've started to use my TV more in my room. I, I bought it, never used it for months, but recently I've started and it has caused my viewing of Amazon uh, uh, Prime Video and Netflix to go up massively. Why? When I turn on my TV, it says, hey, here is a selection of shows that you might watch on Netflix or Amazon. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about those places. And I, I click and watch because it's just frictionless because it's already there. The nanosecond you do something like move platform that moves you away from the places where people traditionally find you, the less people will end up watching you. That is to be expected. Like these top creators may think, oh man, I've got like a dedicated audience of 60,000 people. But the nanosecond you move somewhere that puts some barriers between you and them, like a lot of the people are just gonna drop off. It's whatever has the least resistance while providing the minimum entertainment threshold. Yeah, as I say. So bringing it back around, I, I don't like people making these statements. It's just people who like things that I don't like are losers. And it's totally unsettling to me why viewers do not follow creators to different platforms. Because at the end of the day, what they're interested in is not that creator inherently, but what that creator can provide them, which is meeting their needs for entertainment. The amount of things that can meet their needs for entertainment is endless different things. We creators are all replaceable. If we stopped 
making content tomorrow. All those people who watch us right now will not wander the desert aimlessly, wondering what it will be like to have something of interest, something to entertain them. They would just move on to the next thing, frictionlessly. Some people miss you though. I mean, sure, but it all fades with time, you know? There are creators that you were watching two years ago that you haven't thought about in two years. Even me saying these words, you, you'd be like, oh yeah, what happened to that creator? Oh, I remember that creator. I used to watch them all the time. I wonder where they are now. You know? Okay, I agree that content creators are very replaceable for sure. But do you know how much less I'd watch YouTube, Twitch if my favorite creator stopped? What was the thing that enabled you or inspired you to watch them in the first place? These mechanisms do not disappear if those content creators disappear. The things that inspired you to have them as your favorites will still exist. And you would assume that those influences being maintained would mean that you would find someone else to be your new favorite. You won't have to worry about moving on from my content anytime soon if you like and subscribe. Thank you for watching and I wish you all the best.